0: Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Turn with me to Genesis 43, Reunion and Reconciliation. Part two on this. This is, as we know... Now that Joseph has been brought up to the palace, that is not the end of the story. That is just a means for what God is doing. And many times we get caught up in an event, especially if it elevates us and we lose the meaning for the elevation. This elevation wasn't just so that Joseph could say, see, I told y'all I was going to be on top. This elevation, as we'll see as this plays out, was was far greater than Joseph, and yet he realized that he was to play a part in it. And I like that because as you and I continue the journey in Christ, and we begin to realize that God is doing something greater than us, then we will... we will allow him to use us in the way that he wants, even if it causes us pain, because we know that it's something greater that is happening. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually not just my benefit, but it's going to benefit many. And we're going to see that played out over these next few chapters, 43, 44, and 45, as we get toward the end of Genesis and we get towards the end of this story about Joseph that played an important part. I pray that it becomes more than just a story about a Bible character. I really do, I pray that you allow yourself to see what it is that God is revealing to you and what he is opening up to you so that as you journey through your life and whatever turn it takes, whatever lows and whatever highs that you realize since you are in Christ that there is a great purpose and a greater one than what you may see and one that is beyond both your pain and your pleasures. Amen. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 43 I wrote here just as in summary in part one of god's reunion and reconciliation joseph's brothers are forced to travel to egypt where god has planned the beginning of the family's journey to reconciliation and salvation understand that this god put them in this position this famine was ordained by god this famine was used by god and so this is a world event, and yet God was using it to direct his remnant, his people, to where they needed to be. This, as you know, was going to be the family. This was, going, this was the beginnings of what would be the nation of Israel, from whom would come the Savior of the world. And if you were to look at it at this point, you would say, God, you're not doing a great job. Uh, you 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 mess it, I don't know how you're gonna pull this off, but if this is gonna be the family that you use to bring about the Savior, you in trouble. Because you see the fighting, you see the bitterness, the anger, you see sin in full effect. And what God is telling us is it doesn't matter the depth of, 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 of man's sin. It doesn't matter the depth of humanity's sin. He says, I will work out my plan the way I choose. Oh, it doesn't absolve us of our sin. Please don't think that. You still pay the consequences. Although you don't pay the price of sin because we know the price of sin is death. But the consequences are still there. But understand that he says that in order for there to be salvation, there must first be reconciliation. In order for this family to be saved, it had to be reconciled. Wow. And so today for you and I, a great point to remember, there is no salvation in Christ without first being reconciled to him. Zero. And so understand that today you won't find, and I said this last week, you won't find anywhere in scripture where God forgives where there was first where where there wasn't first repentance. Where there is no turning, there is no saving regardless of how hard you press and cry, and I don't want to, Lord, and I don't feel like it, and this isn't fair, and I've suffered enough, doesn't matter. God said there is no forgiveness without repentance. And regardless of how much of a fit we throw or how long we we hold out, Unlike at times in some of our school systems, I know in New York, I know here in India, I know in New York it was like this. You stay long enough, they passed you on. God doesn't do that. You stay long enough, you just stay long enough. You refuse to change, you just keep staying. And I love how he shows us here, when there is change, when there is repentance, there can be salvation and reconciliation. God uses matured Joseph as His instrument of reconciliation in the family. For some of you right now, you may be the mature one in your family. And I mentioned this last week, and you may not like that right now because it seems to all fall on you. And God seemingly wants you to bend over backwards. And the Lord says, that's because I've matured you. That's because I've grown you up through the suffering and through your pain and through what is happening. I've matured. Joseph is mature now. And he is the instrument of reconciliation that God is going to use to bring this family back together. Understand what's missing here. See, if Joseph wasn't matured, this couldn't happen because the moment his brother showed up, it was on. And we know it. It's not a whole lot worse than an angry, vengeful, bitter, wrathful person with high authority. and with and really with almost all power. That kind of person is a danger. And so God knew where Joseph would end up, and he worked his plan in Joseph's life so that when he got to this point and his brother showed up, what you don't hear from him is revenge, is bitterness, is anger, is rage is pettiness. You don't see this. Why? Cuz he learned along the way. I don't know and we don't know at what point Joseph fully realized that God was at work, but we do know he understood it at some point. And we do know that when his brothers walked in, as we saw last week that he remembered his dream, Now, it doesn't say that was the first time he remembered it. And understand, Joseph was an interpreter of dreams. Understand that. And so because of that, we have to to believe and know Joseph was beginning to see this plan. We're not told when, but when he gets to this point, what is missing is what needs to be missing in all of us. If you've suffered at the hands of someone else, if, 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 and, and here, I'm going to qualify that you are a believer. And if you've suffered at the hands unjustly, and if folks have wronged you, if you have had to go through things because of someone else's sin, understand It did not catch God off guard, and he didn't somehow forget that you were there. And what he's telling us is, I know. In the story of Joseph, he goes, I know. As a matter of fact, not only do I know, I'm at work. You guys have heard me share the story. Years ago, when I was when lost my spiritual mind, I was in my first years at college, and because of some really crazy decisions, landed myself in the ER on campus. Remember that vividly. And um, years had passed by, I thought I was going to hide it from my mother. Man, I would not tell her, because I don't want to relive that and her anger all over again. I remember that. And one day now I am matured in the Lord and we were talking. And I said, Hey, you remember when I was a freshman in college down on University of Maryland's campus? And and I went on through, and I said, Yeah, and it was just really crazy. And I ended up in the emergency room, and and she said, I knew. I was like, You knew? She said, Yeah, I knew. I said, I didn't know you, you know. She said, Who do you think paid the doctor bill? I was like, you got a point, because I surely didn't have the money to pay it. She said, who do you think paid the ER bill? I knew exactly what happened. I said, but you never said anything. And She came back with something that just had stayed with me for years. She said, would it have helped? No, she said, would you have listened? And I knew myself at that point, and I said, probably not. And so so I said, so what did you do? She said, I just prayed and gave you to the Lord. I was like, wow. See, God does not forget where you are. Even when you are going against him, he knows how to get you back. He knows how to mature you. He knows how to straighten you out. He knows how to get you in the place you need to be. And Joseph proves to us that. And so don't trip that life has thrown you a serious curve coming at 98 miles an hour. And that you're just like, I don't know what to do, guys, as I know you don't. But I'm working on something through you. And here we see matured Joseph. Now remember, please, let's not gloss over his journey here, how far down he had to go unjustly. And see, I'm even thinking when he rose to power, Potiphar's wife must have been really afraid. See, that was the woman that lied on him. Now, he wasn't equal to Potiphar. He was over Potiphar. And she knew it. But we never hear of anything in that story about him coming back for her. You know, he, he rose to power and the guy that he helped get his job back and that took two years for him to remember that he got help to get back. He wasn't equal with him. He was over him. But yet again, you don't hear about him going, dude, I got your number two years? You forgot me for two years? See, I want us to understand the process here so that when you are faced with something similar, that you don't act like you've never seen an example of true forgiveness, that you don't act like you've seen an example of grace under fire, Where you don't become vengeful and bitter, but you realize you have examples in Scripture of where God was at work. This is for us to remember so that when we face it, we can respond likewise. And I pray that you do. So just to refresh your memories on this, Joseph has, Joseph brothers come, he tests them to see if they were cared for or discard one another and return the money that he put back in their sack. This was a test of where they were. In essence, though, God was giving them and God was starting, God was giving the brothers a chance to change and they started to. That was Joseph put that money back in their bag and held Simeon because he knew, are they still the same guys? Are they going to leave Simeon here? take the money and say too bad because guess what they did that before they sold joseph took the money and left him in egypt and so now he comes back and does the same test are you guys ready to change i love how the lord uses those who have been hurt to instruct and help those who hurt And so he comes in and he tests them. We know that. And we also know that Jacob is still unchanged and he holds to his dysfunctional favoritism. Because now he says, in essence, Simeon can stay there because I'm not sending Benjamin. This is the only son I have left, which really cracks me up. You got 10 others. And I'm not about to send him out. He is still saying, I favor the children of my first love, Rachel, over all you guys. And so Jacob is unchanged, but God is about to force his hand. And Jacob does not see the gift of grain that they were given as grace, as the grace of God, but only as something to temporarily meet his need. And now, let me help us out. Sometimes in the process of growing us up, God will grant acts of grace that gives us some relief, and we think he's just going to let me get away with this. He's not. That was an act of grace. That's all it was. That was God easing the pressure. That was God sparing you. And see, we go, God's going to let me do what I want. I haven't changed and I'm getting blessed. And we write on our social media account, I've been blessed. Got my new house, my new job, thank God. I'm going to keep translating, I'm going to keep living like I have been. Because God is just blessing me and I have no intentions of changing. But what Jacob didn't realize was God was preserving while he was preparing to force his hand. And now we pick up chapter 43, verse 1. Now, the famine was severe in the land, and when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go again, buy us a little food. I'm going. Now, he forgot that whole speech that they made to him in chapter 42 that said, the man, the Lord in Egypt said, you will not see my face again until you bring your brother with you. You won't come and get anything from us. And 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 Jacob thought, this famine ain't that bad. We're gonna ride it out. We got food. God blessed us. I'm fine. I'm not doing anything. And 43 starts off that the famine was severe. See, it was more than what Jacob thought. He thought God had just put him in an inconvenient position. Okay, it was a hardship. No. God was about to turn up the heat. You know, turn in the screws and to put you in a position where change was going to happen. And I'm speaking to somebody today. God has turned up the heat, put down the screws on you, and you are going, God, what are you doing? And he is going, I am moving you to change. Oh, I've been there. And it is an act of grace, and we don't even see it like that. We start getting mad. God, why are you doing this to me? God, I can't believe that you're allowing this to happen. because if you only knew. I'm putting you in a position to change. So the famine was severe. After all that, you go, wow, that is the that is the longest introduction on record. The first point is God moves a reluctant Jacob to release his favoritism. God moves a reluctant Jacob to release his sin and his favoritism. He he does. He, God forces his hand and that is an act of grace. Some of you, God puts you in a position where you would never want to be, and he is forcing your hand. You can keep fighting. You can keep fighting. God's not going away. If you are one of his, he loves you, and he is not about to. Not about to break or change. I remember getting mad at my mother one time. Cause she wasn't doing what I wanted. Now I wouldn't dare say something crazy because I valued life. But 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 I was mad, and I remember saying to her, I was about nine, eight or nine years old, and and I still remember because it was, I, I like she was just cold. I said I said. I'm mad at you. She says, okay. I'm not your friend. She says, I'm not either. I'm your mother. You know? and, then, and so I was like, she's just going toe to toe. I said, I'm going to run away. She said, I'll help you pack. I was like, what? You would? She said, because I know you ain't going nowhere. And if you do, you're coming back because you don't have nothing to take care of yourself with. I was just, and so I, I just got mad and walked off. She had to be laughing. See, but the issue is we can storm fit, and and you know what? God is even more resolute than that. He says, I love you too much to let you stay where you are. I am going to force your hand. That's what he did with Jacob. The famine was severe. Jacob says, go buy some food. But Judah, who was now rising to be a—this was the self-centered dude that suggested they sell Joseph— into slavery and get some money for it and he was the one that also went up in chapter 38 and just kind of messed everything up and so here you have a guy now he's changing he comes back and in essence in verse three he said look have you been listening we said the man said we can't come back unless we bring benjamin and he goes on and explains it and then you can tell his frustration because when he gets down to verse um, when he gets down to verse 10 he said if we had not delayed we would have I mean, we would now have returned twice you hear the sarcasm he said we could have done this trip twice already you still not letting us so you realize a long time has passed and Judas frustrated because he's starting to care about Simeon and and he knows we're going to run out of food. You sitting here refusing to change. And sometimes your refusal to change in Christ causes others to be harmed. And you frustrate others with your refusal. So God is moving a reluctant Jacob to release it. And he says, look, I don't know what the issue is, <clears throat> but either you let us bring Benjamin or we're going to die. Which one? He moves Jacob to be desperate. Although Jacob ignores the requirements for deliverance. And some of us, we ignore, you know God's word. You know what will turn your life around and your situation around, but you are waiting somehow for it to be different. And God's like, it's not. It's not going to change. Jacob finally relents when he is forced to face reality. And the reality is I cannot protect Benjamin out of this ungodly favoritism that caused me to lose Joseph. And here's why. He, he, he literally, he finally trusts God and not himself to protect his children. Look at what he says, verse 14. Well, verse 13, he says, take also your brother and arise, go again to the man. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your brother and Benjamin. And as for me, if I am bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Release. He find, this is one of the first times in a, in a long time in the story he actually brings God into the conversation. It was all about him before. Oh, you're going to ruin my, I'm going to die an old and bitter and sorrowful man if I give you Benjamin and I'm going, and he's going in. He finally says, I give it to the Lord. All right. And here's what he says. Whatever God does, he does. If I end up being sad in it, I'm just sad. Hear this. This was something that taught me and still teaches me. God wants you and I to get to the point where he says, God, it doesn't matter what happens. If it ends favorable for me or not, I'm with you. That's where Jacob had to get. That's where he wants you and I. It doesn't matter, God, whether this turns out favorable for me or not, I'm trusting you and releasing my sin. And that's where he wants you and I. And so he does. So God moves a reluctant Jacob to release his favoritism, and they go on their way. God will put us in situations that cause us to deal with the reality of our sin and the only true remedy for that sin. He will will force us to, God wants us to trust him and not ourselves. So here's a question for you. What is God forcing you to deal with that you have been trying to ignore? What is God forcing you to deal with that you, have trying, that you have been trying to ignore? And the follow-up question, how is he moving you to trust him? Ask yourself, answer those questions. So second one, not only did God move a reluctant Jacob to relieve his his favoritism, God moves Judah to become self-sacrificing because he's a critical part in this. He has to become self-sacrificing. So he reiterates the demands. He is well aware of what they need to do. But his sacrifices, really, Judah sacrifices himself and it actually helps turn the heart of his father. Because when he says here, <clears throat> um, he says, Look, I will give, verse 8. And Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die. Both we and he, he said, Both we and me and you, and also our little ones. Verse 9. I will, I will be a pledge of his safety. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. If And, and so here's he saying, look, I will substitute my life for his. Now, you got to read earlier, Reuben, when they first got back, Reuben was kind of cold. Reuben, who is the oldest, who should have been the leader, said, look, look, let us send Benjamin if 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 Benjamin doesn't come back, you can kill my sons. What? You just sacrificed your family. Dude, you failed. I'll put my sons in his place. Now, how about you put yourself in his place? That's like me saying to my sons, listen, if they don't do what they should do, y'all can have Caleb and Joe. <laughs> and they'll be like, What? No, nah, bro, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 you can't do that. See, my deal is Judah says instead of giving up other people, which is what we do, Lord, why did I have to suffer? Why didn't you let them suffer? Why I have to be the one to bear the burden? <coughs> why I have to be the one to deal with this? Let them do it. God says, okay, hold on a second. So you volunteering people now? And what he really wants us to say is, God, take me. I'll sacrifice myself. And that's what Judah does. Judah sacrifices himself, and that actually turns. Sometimes the very thing that may turn the situation around is you becoming self-sacrificing. And stop waiting for someone else to do it. And when you decide you are going to be the one to bear the brunt, to bear the pain, to bear what happens, God says, now I'm moving. Judah becomes the true leader of his older brothers. So here's my questions on that point. How is God moving you to become self-sacrificing, compassionate, and grace-filled? How is he moving in your life like that? Could he be using your adversity and affliction to soften and reshape your heart? He was with Judah. He was reshaping his heart. How is he doing that for you? Last point, and then we'll be done. Last point. God extends grace to the guilty and the fearful. Again, we're talking about reunion and reconciliation. It's how God brings back. And so, first he forces us to, to be in a position where we repent and then he 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 reshapes our heart so that we begin to change and we're and we're no longer selfish but we're self-sacrificing but then also that process is he extends grace to us so that that grace is that which fuels us now realizing that God truly loves us. Well, where was the grace here? <clears throat> they get back, they're on their way, and they're afraid. Because they get back, in verse 16, Joseph sees them, and he, and, and he sees Benjamin, and he wants them over to his house for a meal. He is going to entertain them. They think he is going to slaughter them. Why would you think that? Why would you think when the ruler invites you over to his house, that crazy story, he he wants to bring us and slaughter us and take our donkeys. He doesn't need your donkeys. You realize this is the country that you're getting food from? He wants to take our stuff and slaughter us. But you know what? That's what guilt and that's what sin will do. It will get you to be paranoid and fearful And every corner, someone is just waiting to do something to you. Extremely guilty. And so here they are now. Boy, I'm, I'm sitting here. Here they are now in the palace. And are afraid. Why? Because their sin has not been dealt with. You can be in some of the most wonderful situations that God is bringing you in. But sin will keep you from enjoying it. You'll be so fearful. So messed up. Thinking that it's something completely different than what God has set up. And can't even enjoy it because you've not dealt with it <clears throat> and here they go verse 18 and the men were afraid because they were brought to joseph's house and they said "It is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that we may and so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys i'm like too, wow you thought about that all yourself So they went up and they talked to the servant, and you can just hear the anxiety. Verse 19, so they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke with him at the door. They didn't even get in the house. They get to the door and they go, oh, my Lord, my Lord, uh, oh, my Lord, we... We came down the first time to buy food, and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, so we have brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. You can hear the fear. There's, look, 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 look. look, man, look, 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 look. Before we even get in, we just want to let you know what the deal is, because they are like, once we get in, we're done. Do you see the response? I love God's grace here. God is extending grace. He replied, peace to you. Dude, you, you, you all worked up for nothing. Peace to you. Do not be afraid. And I know he's been in Joseph's house because this is Joseph's attitude. His servants mirror him. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. He says, I did that. He says, be at peace. See, when God extends grace, even while you are in your sin, it causes you to take notice. That's what he did. Boy, they took notice of the grace that was extended them. Grace brings peace to fearful hearts. It does. Then grace amazes and softens the brothers. And then lastly, grace allows them to turn from jealousy to fellowship. Why do I say that? When you look at <clears throat> toward the end, they sat down and they ate. Verse 26, it says, when Joseph came home, they brought into, that, um, they brought into the house to him the present, and they gave him everything. And so let's, let's actually jump down. He says, verse 31, then he washed his face. Uh, um, um, wrong verse. Go further down. 32, they served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who were with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that was an abomination. And they sat down, verse 33, and they sat down before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. So they sat down in birth order and the men looked at one another in amazement of how they were treated. See, they knew they weren't deserving of this treatment, yet that's what God does to us, to bring us to himself. It's the grace that is extended that we don't deserve so that we turn and repent so that we do what he wants. And then he says, verse 34, portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And if it was before with Jacob, and they got mad, but they didn't, And they drank and were merry with him. You see the change. See, before they were mad that Jacob, I mean, that Joseph got the preferential treatment. I love how Joseph was testing them. Are you going to get mad when God blesses? It's all grace. You're mad because grace turned into this much for this person and this much for you. It's all grace. But I'm mad. Why you give him that car? Why you give him that house? I could have done that job, Lord. It's all grace. But I'm mad because his grace is better than my grace. Listen to yourself. God says none of y'all deserved any of it. So what is it to you if I choose to give him 20 times and you five? God says, look at actually what it is and let it soften and change your heart. And so at the end of that, they were merry. Again, God is working on changing this dysfunctional family. So our last question is, how is God using his grace to turn your heart from self-centered to fellowship with him and others? How is he doing that? How is the grace of God causing you to rejoice in what he has given you instead of being jealous of how he has given to others? Are you seeing God's grace in your life or are you busy being distracted by the grace he's given in someone else's? Is it turning your heart? Where do you see God granting you peace and fearlessness by his grace upon you? Understand when God wants to soften and change your heart, he will do it with grace. He forces you to deal with your sin, to trust him and him only for the remedy of that. He causes you to change your heart and reshape it that you become self-sacrificing. And then he extends grace so you don't think that you're doing so much. He is going to leave you in amazement so that he changes your heart. What's the move towards reconciliation? Dealing with sin, changing your heart, accepting God's grace. And it doesn't change today you've been listening to the solid word bible church podcast and we trust that you've been blessed if you'd like to learn more about us you can visit our website at solidword.org thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next week